Hey there, it's time for another episode of IoT This Week. I'm your host, Craig Smith. Um, today we'll be on episode 16, and it is April 21st, 2016. Um, we've actually missed a few weeks, so we've got a quite, a, quite a few things to go through today, so let's get started. Okay, so first up, Intel has released the firmware source code for the Arduino 101. So now that they've released the source code, now you're able to actually compile and modify the real-time operating system um, for your Arduino 101 and Genuino 101 development board. So yeah, that's pretty straightforward. Um, I haven't had a chance to look at this yet, um, but it should be pretty cool to actually be able to uh, modify um, source code now and uh, compile your own. Just be careful that uh, you don't break your device in the process of doing this, but uh, yeah, this one should be fun. And then in the next story, it looks like Samsung's um, SmartThing device, which is a device that's supposed to basically be like a central hub or whatever you want to call it um, for all your smart devices in your home so you can control all those devices with uh, one app. So it looks like, at least for power users anyways, it looks like it's um, there's been some glitchiness or some other issues going on when there's you know quite a few um, smart devices connected in your home. So in one example, actually the person had over 60 various smart devices connected up and she was trying to use a smart things controller to um, actually, you know, control all those things, whether they're lights or thermostats or whatever there might be. And it ended up uh, it was causing issues with her smart home security system where it was creating false alarms and so forth. And basically, like I said, just causing general glitchiness to the point that she actually had to turn it off. So anyway, so IoT is supposed to be all about connecting, like, you know, just tons of devices, but it looks like, at least in this instance, um, and potentially just with power users, um, that when you get up to, like, you know, 50 or 60 devices, that maybe there's some issues going on, um, at least with the Samsung smart things. So anyway, it's actually, it's been causing some issues, some users to hesitate on maybe buying a smart things device or maybe wait till just, you know, smart things in general get a little better. Um, when there's like, you know, tons of devices in, connected in your home. And then next up, it looks like as part of a, like a hundred page report that, um, some group put together, um, buried in there was the, basically what they thought were the 10, you know, consumer benefits from the internet of things. So, so the list is kind of interesting. Um, um, some of them are, you know, obvious, um, but anyway, I'll just go through these cause I thought they were kind of interesting. Um, and in, in at least of what they found out or discovered. So number one was responsive services. So, you know, information coming from, you know, sources and services and so forth. And then they can, you know, they can use those to respond to individual needs, shorter feedback or number two is shorter feedback loops. Um, so companies can quickly learn about consumer experiences. Uh, number three is convenience, you know, obviously saving time and money. Uh, number four is enhanced op enhanced experiences. Um, that's pretty obvious. Five, efficiency gains passed on, you know, potential for um, efficiency gains realized by the business um, to be passed on to customers. Number six, increased insight into behavior. Um, like, you know, how much you might walk or sleep or the amount of time you spend on particular tasks, things like that. Number seven, decision-making support. Um, consumers will be able to act on this um, themselves and then, you know, the information themselves and make the best match with offers. Um, number eight, solving offline safety and security issues. Uh, number nine, verify behavior or events. 
And then lastly, number 10 is remote control. So anyway, so it was a pretty interesting list. Uh, like I said, some of these are obvious, but uh, definitely uh, worth a quick read. And then for the next story, it looks like Underwriters Labs, uh, which you, if, if you're not familiar with this group, um, they're basically, they're about, a, they're 122 years old um, safety standards organization. So like on electronic devices, you'll see like UL certified and so forth. So that's these guys, under, Underwriters Labs. So anyway, they put together, apparently they put together a, or their own cybersecurity standard and which isn't that big a news. So it's, it's yet another, um, Base or standard or set of standards that somebody's putting together. Um, but the big news with this thing is that they're basically refusing it, refusing to share it with anybody unless you want to purchase it. So, and it's like $800 for this full set. So yeah, that's not, uh, it's not so good. And, you know, it doesn't really look like they're really trying to be, you know, community partners and, um, trying to work with, um, or work on cybersecurity standards. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they'll change their stance or what, but yeah, it's kind of sad to see them basically, you know, holding it back and at least, and not even um, sharing it with security researchers. They're basically going, Hey, if you want it, um, you'll have to pay $800 for it. So yeah, that's kind of not good. And then on to the next one. Um, so this one is actually, I'm probably going to get a couple of these and actually test these to see if they actually do what they say to do that, what they say they do. But anyway, so Bitdefender is actually, they've got a, what they're calling a box security hub and it's meant to protect all of your connected things so not just a computer but all your smart tvs and appliances all those sort of things it's supposed to basically sit in front of all these devices um and actually protect them from things like advanced threat advanced threats and you know various other malware and that sort of thing so anyway i'm gonna probably order some of these so i'll probably have some kind of little review of whether it really works that well or not um at some point but anyway um, right now, if you actually want to get one, there's like a limited time offer and actually try it out. It's like instead of 200 normal 200 bucks, it's actually 99 bucks. Um, but anyway, it's on bitdefender.com if you're interested in taking a look at it. And then the uh, next story, and this was, um, what, um, 11, a couple, week and a half or so ago. So this kind of underscores some of the downsides of being an early adopter of Internet of Things devices. So... So there used to be, a, there was a company called Revolve and actually Nest bought them. And then of course, Google bought Nest and so forth. Um, but apparently they've decided that they are no longer going to support their product. So they gave like a deadline for users of their products, you know, Hey, here's, you know, here's when this, you know, you know your device is no longer going to be supported. So but it's one thing to kind of, you know, if you've got a device and all of a sudden, Oh yeah, we're not going to support it anymore. Okay. That's one thing, but actually what they're going to do as well is shut the back end service down. So basically, if you pay uh, you know two or three hundred for dollars for this device, um, once the deadline gets here, um, yeah, then it's no longer you're not going to be able to use it anymore. Um, so yeah, so like I said, it's kind of this is kind of an example of the downside of internet being an early adopter that you know some of the you know the manufacturer may realize hey this product's not profitable. Or, hey, there's too many issues for this product. Um, but either way, it could be that they, you know, at some point they just decide to shut the, not only like stop supporting the service, but they shut down the backend service, which for most of these devices, the backend service needs to be working um, in order for your device to actually do what you bought it for. So anyway, I think the, according to the article, uh, I think the Resolve, any the Resolve devices, they're going to stop working on May 15th of this year. So so yeah, it's kind of bad. Um, I mean, I think the hub was pretty expensive, like 300 bucks or so. So 
yeah, it kind of sucks for everybody who actually bought one of these devices. They're kind of just going to be left hanging with uh, something that doesn't work. So I don't know if um, Nest or whoever, Google or whoever is going to actually do anything about it or give some kind of opportunity to buy something else. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, definitely not a good situation for anybody on this end. And then it looks like the folks at the University of Washington's Sensor Lab, they've actually came up, come up with an IoT device that's actually battery-free. So that actually should uh, help, in at least in the maintenance and, you know, making sure that the sensors continue to operate like they're supposed to. If they, you know, since we don't have to, if you can get to the point to where you don't have to really op- worry about changing batteries or how you power these devices. Uh, but anyway, so it actually it, it creates power by harvesting radio signals, uh, which is in- interesting, and then turning them into electricity. So it uses what they, the protocol they came up with with for these devices is something that looks like it's uh, it's modified it's a modified um, it's modified from the RFID communication protocol um, so that's pretty interesting um, so this will actually be um, we'll have to keep watching this to see how it goes um, and then see if you know if they actually can get this um, you know kind of working at scale and so forth. Um, but anyway, but it can be, the devices can be um, wirelessly updated. So again, we need to make sure that, you know, the proper security protocols are, are in place since these things can be updated wirelessly and so forth. So but again, um, it's a little interesting uh, thing that they've come up with. So we'll definitely be on the lookout to see how this goes. And then lastly, this actually was um, two or three weeks ago, um, but there was a bug I don't know if you really call it a vulnerability, but it's, I mean, it's the vulnerability basically creates like a DDoS um, situation. Um, but basically there's a bug in um, 135 million modems, uh, mainly the surfboard um, SB6141 um, that allows somebody to remotely uh, reset your modem. Um, so it doesn't actually allow them access to anything, at least not yet anyway. Um, so really, like I said, it's just a denial of service situation. Um, but still, um, it's still a nuisance to anybody who's got one of these modems. Um, so yeah, if you've got one of these, definitely uh, you might want to think about switching to something else or keep it on the lookout to see if there's a fix for this particular issue. Okay, so an item under the um, kind of the security and privacy section of the podcast. So if you missed it, um, Verizon, I mean, they put out various um, reports throughout the year, security reports and other things. Um, So they've actually put out one that's called the State of the Internet of Things Market Report. So they cover um, various different things. Um, Then actually the one um, that we're actually interested in, at least from the podcast standpoint, is actually the security and privacy piece. So uh, once you take a look at the report, um, in the IOT security and privacy section, um, they basically go through, you know, talking about various things that, um, have been talked about before with security and privacy. Um, you know, they, they broke it into multiple layers. So like government's risk and compliance, um, threat management, authentication and privacy and professional security services. So obviously the first one, government or governance, risk and compliance, um, that's GRC. Um, there's things like, you know, threat vector analysis, pen testing, you know, PCI compliance, that sort of thing. Um, then under threat management, threat management, there's protecting the perimeter. So, you know, security configuration, vulnerability scanning, application scanning, et cetera, authentication and privacy. Um, so underneath here, they've got trust the ecosystem. So this is one we've talked about in the past. Um, so it's not just about you know securing a single device. 
if you're going to put like multiple devices, especially if you're a manufacturer and you want to put lots of different, you know, you've got a whole product line of IoT devices, you want to make sure that you don't want to put out, you know, one line of devices that's secure and then another line that's not secure and it's part of the same ecosystem because more than likely people are going to put the secure device on the same network as the insecure device. So it's the same, you know, the chain's only as strong as the weakest link. So, um, again, that's why we say it's important. You got to, you need to make sure that the whole ecosystem is secure. So, you know, in this case, they're talking about authentication and privacy, like data discovery, you know, machine to machine discovery, SLSL certificates. Again, that's one, um, that we've seen, you know, various news reports where, Millions of devices are all using the same SSL cert. So once you get the private keys to one device, now you've got potentially, you can potentially eavesdrop on any any other devices. Um, and then the last one is professional security services. This one's pretty obvious. Uh, respond to threats, um, digital forensics, forensics, rapid response services, and so forth. But anyway, it's an interesting uh, little read. Um, usually the reports are pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out, though. All right, and then under learning about IoT, um, there are actually a few things um, I've added into this list, and I'm gonna keep, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna maintain the list in the show notes so that somebody can basically just take a list or look at the latest podcast and see kind of all the uh, cumulative um, things I've added in there. Um, so we've added three. I've added three in for this week. Um, so one, um, it's more about reverse engineering on. Um, devices so it looks like somebody's putting together like a multi-part series on um, practical reverse engineering and then the and the link for this um, page is actually in the show notes uh, but at least the first installment of this um, um, little series is actually hunting for debug ports um, so I haven't read through the whole article um, but anyway it's still it looks like it goes pretty in depth into like you know looking for useless pins um, finding serial ports, that sort of thing. So again, if you're interested in actually hacking the hardware itself, uh, you know, and maybe pulling firmware off the devices or something like that. Um, so I don't know if this series, if they'll actually get, get around to talking about things like that. Uh, but anyway, at least in the beginning, this first part, um, it looks like, um, they're going into pretty good detail about, you know, actually, you know, tapping into information coming off some of the ports or pins that are on these devices but anyway um yeah definitely worth a look if you're interested in um hardware hacking and then the next one is actually it's what it's, it's called a low raw one development board so if you'll remember back this is something i mentioned in some of the earlier podcasts um so it's actually meant to work be or meant to work with low raw wan um connections and if you've got, and if you've got, and if you want to make an IoT device that actually connects to one of these networks, so LoRa WAN actually it's a low power wide area network. Um, so the device, I don't think it's available yet. I think they've actually got a Kickstarter project going on, so I don't know if they've met their goal yet or whatever. But it looks like you can. It's uh, I'm not sure what it is in dollars. It looks like it's 75 euros um, to actually purchase the device on Kickstarter. Um, so anyway, if you're interested in um, creating devices that actually connect to a low raw WAN, um, then you might want to check out this um, development board. And then finally, there is the Raspberry Pi um, IoT hat. So basically, the Pi hat is supposed to offer um, some wireless features, and it's equipped with uh, Wi-Fi um, 802.11n and Bluetooth 4.1 dual mode. So, and you can actually connect this little uh, board to the um, GPIO connection on the Raspberry Pi. So, 
you're interested in adding um, some uh, Wi-Fi functionality rather than plugging in like a USB, um, plugging in something into the USB port um, to get Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, you can actually um, hook up this board straight onto your GPIO connection on your Raspberry Pi and uh, take advantage of some wireless support. Um, so it looks like the hat um, looks like you could purchase it um, for $9. Again, this looks like it's another uh, Kickstarter project, so I don't know if they've met their goal or if you can still order them or not. But, uh, yeah, it's only it's 9 bucks. Um, gives you um, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth functionality for your uh, Raspberry Pi. And then under the Industrial Internet of Things section, um, it looks like there's going to be a new global study, especially, so this will probably be interesting to you if you're involved in the um, industrial IoT. Uh, so there's a new global study that's going to explore, you know, the business value of industrial IoT. So it looks like it's the BPI Network, CMO Council, IoT Institute, and then there's other sponsoring IoT brands. I'm, uh, I'm going to guess it's probably some that are, you know, brands that are doing IoT platforms, hopefully devices and so forth. Um, so anyway, so there's going to, looks like it's going to be quite a few people sponsoring this global study. Um, so again, this will probably be interesting to watch this. They just, looks like they just started this. Um, I don't see, I don't know if there's actually a time, what the time frame is for completion for this. Um, but anyway, the link to the articles in the show notes, um, so definitely have a look at this if you're in the industrial internet of things to, um, you know, if you're interested in these sort of like um, global studies and so forth. And then another article I have a link to in the show notes um, under industrial IoT. Um, this article is kind of going into some of the, it's talking about some of the same things we've talked about where there's, you know, the rising risk to um, ICS and SCADA environments. Uh, so they talk about, you know, vulnerabilities in these old, these aging systems and that sort of thing. So Again, um, if you're in the uh, industrial IoT, um, probably something you want to look at um, to make sure that um, any of your um, ICS or SCADA systems are actually secure um, when it comes to uh, IoT. Okay, so that is the podcast for this week. Um, again, I'm uh, your host, Craig Smith. Um, Feel free to reach out to me if you have questions or comments on the uh, website itself. Again, the show notes are on craigsmith.net. Um, you can make comments um, under the various vod- podcast episodes. Or you can uh, email me at craigz28 at craigsmith.net. Um, but anyway, that's the podcast, and have a great day.